Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A word of warning. This episode contains detailed allegations of rape and sexual assault. You're listening to BBC Radio 2. It's the Russell Brand Show, and here's your host, I am! Russell Brand burst onto the scene in the early noughties as a presenter, comedian, actor, and wild-haired Lothario who was suddenly everywhere on TV and radio with his own brand of comedy that often pushed the limits. It's my humble view that there ain't a single sexual act that ain't enhanced by spitting. <laughs> There's literally no joke there. That is just a sex tip. <laughs> He's been mired in controversy, not least in 2008, when prank phone calls led to his sacking from BBC Radio. Inappropriate and unacceptable. Now Gordon Brown joins the chorus of disapproval against Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross. These days, he's into well-being and speaking to his six million fans on YouTube where his videos have been viewed over a billion times. But now we can reveal a much darker side to Russell Brand. I was sat up in the bed up against the headboard and he um, forced his penis down my throat and I couldn't breathe, it was just choking me and I couldn't breathe. When I went in for one of my first therapy sessions, I couldn't say the word rape. I had to keep saying sexually assaulted, but by the end of it I was like, oh my God, he raped me. Four women have alleged Russell Brand sexually assaulted them between 2006 and 2013. Others have made a range of accusations about Brand's controlling, abusive and predatory behaviour. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Russell Brand accused of rape. Over the past three years, an exclusive investigation by The Times, The Sunday Times and Channel 4's Dispatches programme 
has spoken to more than 300 people who know Russell Brand. Ex-girlfriends and their close friends and family, comedians and other celebrities, and people who worked with him on TV and radio. Our journalists have seen private emails and text messages. They've submitted freedom of information requests. They've viewed medical and therapists' notes, scrutinised Brand's books and interviews, and watched and listened to hundreds of hours of his shows in order to investigate the allegations. On today's podcast, we'll be hearing from two of the women who've come forward to tell their stories. A woman in her 30s who says Brand sexually assaulted her when she was 16. And a successful businesswoman who says Brand raped her in Los Angeles in 2012. The Times and the Sunday Times gave Brand eight days to reply to these detailed allegations, among others, including information to help him to recall the alleged incidents. Brand strongly denies all the allegations and posted a video on his YouTube channel. Amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent. I'm Rosamond Irwin, the media editor of The Sunday Times. Ros, for people who haven't really heard of Russell Brand, just give us a sense of how big a star he's been, and a bit of his background. Yeah, he's had a quite an interesting path in that he's done a lot of different things. He first became famous for comedy. It was TV that turned him into a household name, really, around 2007. Programmes like Big Brother's Big Mouth. Welcome back to Big Brother's Big Mouth. Liam and Dan are still with us. The first person asked the question is this young fella. What is your question, old bean? And he became very well known for his relationships. When you look at the period between about 2006 and 2008, there's genuinely a story about him in most of the tabloid papers, you know, him stepping out with a new woman and that type of thing. You were voted the Sun newspaper's shagger of the year. It was a proud day. (laughs) He's also very well known in the addiction community. He's somebody who became sober in 2002. He had sort of modest success in films. And then he married Katy Perry, which increased how famous he was in the US because he'd married a global superstar pop star. Mm. That helped propel him into a sort of new league. Because it was funny, when he became popular in, in Britain, I remember he just seemed to arrive as a presenter and was suddenly everywhere, but mainly because he had this sort of slightly outrageous character. I mean, he looked different to your average presenter. I think I look like a Dickensian gent or perhaps an S&M Willy Wonka. (laughs) The interesting thing is what a path he's taken since then. So in about 2015, he becomes very interested in politics, famously before that telling people not to vote. And then essentially from politics, he's now gone on this path towards wellness I've learned techniques to change, transcend and transform pain. That easy mundane alchemy of ordering that which hurts you into that which heals you. 
in the meantime, his marriage to Katy Perry comes to an end. What's been happening in his private life since then? Well, he's had a number of other high-profile relationships. And then in 2017, he married Laura Gallagher, with whom he now has three children. And at the same time, he hasn't been on TV as much, but he does seem to have a real following on YouTube. Hello there, you 6.4 million Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining me on this voyage through truth and freedom. What an age it is to be alive. He's gone down quite an interesting path on YouTube in that the people he's attracting are at the more conspiratorial end of the conversation. The media, our friends, our allies, telling us the truth and definitely not amping up some stories and ignoring others in order to shape our reality to benefit them and their corporate partners. And so, Ross, that's sort of his high-profile life. That's the stuff that people might be aware of. But it does seem like there's a, a dark underbelly there. You've been looking into this and you've spoken to lots of people. I wanted to talk to you today about one in particular. Tell us about the woman who we're calling Alice. I first spoke to her at the beginning of 2021. and She's somebody who alleges that she had a relationship with him when she was 16 and he turned 31, so he was 30 turning 31 during the time they were together. Wow. So obviously that's quite an age gap. And he was famous at this point, so this is 2006. How did they first meet? So like many teenagers, she'd been out shopping and she bought some outfits for the weekend. And then she bumped into him, and I mean genuinely bumped into Russell in the street. He was walking towards the same door that she was coming out of. Alice has told us her story but her voice has been changed to help protect her identity. He saw me and he'd asked what my business was there. I'd just been to Topshop. He took the shopping bags from my hands and picked a dress out and he said, OK, you're going to wear that on a date with me. Obviously, she was taken aback. You know, he's a famous person. She had seen him perform comedy. She thought it was funny. Sort of feels like part of his act. I think whilst it seemed ridiculous and surreal to her, it was also disarming and, in a weird way, charming. And what happened with them? Did they have a relationship? Yeah, so they went on to have a relationship. I mean, she was 16. She's still at school at this point. How long does their relationship last and what sort of a relationship is it? So we're talking a few months. She was banned from seeing him at various points. He would try to drive a wedge between me and my parents, taught me to lie to them. She says her mother grounded her. And she also says that the mother took the phone away for a period. But they did have a, what most of us would consider an adult relationship in that they had a sexual relationship. And obviously she was very young. And she is obviously over the age consent, which in the UK is, is 16. But there is a power dynamic here. She explains to us that she was a virgin at the time. And on top of that, she had an eating disorder that she was recovering from. She's very young and very vulnerable, and he's not only older, but also very famous. How did their relationship play out? I mean, you know, you said at times she was banned from seeing him, she was grounded. How did they manage to see each other, and how did it all go? Certainly now as an adult, she feels that there was a lot that was wrong about that relationship. But even as a 16-year-old, when she was thinking about it at the time, she felt that things were off, that it was very strange. And that's even for someone with no relationship experience. He's like, so how many people have you had sex with? And I said, no one. Like, I've never had sex with anyone. She was embarrassed to have the conversation about being a virgin with him. And she feels he really celebrated that 
element of it when she told him that he was really happy and excited. And he got an erection straight away. And he was like, oh my God, he's like my baby, my baby, and picked me up and cradled me in his arms like a child and was stroking my hair. There's a particular incident where he goes to the shops and he leaves her and tells her she has to stay in the bath the entire time he's gone and that he'd put the landline phone in the bath so if it rings, she has to pick it up to make sure she's still there. It was long enough for me to get cold. I got out of the bath and put a towel on. It was like, okay, I'll just, when I hear the door go or the phone go, I'll just jump back in. I mean, how long is she expected to sit in a bath? So about an hour, she says. And when she gets home and discovers that she's still there. He was very pleased and elated when he came home and I was still in the bath. And then picked me up and dried me off and then wrapped me up in a robe and like put me on the sofa. I think it's fair to say that when she looks back on that relationship now, she doesn't consider it a remotely healthy sexual relationship in any way. I never felt there was any kind of uh, power balance at all. It always felt like he had the upper hand. And there's a particular moment where what she describes um, happening to her is sexual assault. What happened? She was obviously somebody who didn't have any sexual experience. And then there was a time that it became incredibly dark and something happened that was incredibly unpleasant. And that is that they were in bed together and she was sitting up against the headboard. I was sat up in the bed up against the headboard and he um, forced his penis down my throat and... I couldn't breathe. It was just choking me and I couldn't breathe. I was pushing him away, pushing him away. And he wasn't, he wasn't backing off at all. And so I ended up having to punch him really hard in the stomach to get him off. And then he like, finally, then he like moved, fell backwards. And I was crying and he said, oh, I only want to see your mascara run anyway. I mean, it just sounds horrifying. So after that happened... And she lay down on one side of the bed and then he got on top of her. He got on top of me and held like my mouth open and was just like drooling into my mouth. And I was gagging and like, try, I was like trying to fight him off me, but he's laying on top of me. So I can't, like my limbs are trapped underneath him. And obviously she's trapped underneath him. He's a big guy. She's sort of thinking, what on earth is this? And then he held my mouth shut and made me swallow it. And so I was just like gagging and crying. According to her, he never sort of acknowledged that this is what had happened. He was angry at her. It was that way round rather than sort of apologising for this behaviour. How is she now? She is very happily married and it's taken her a long time to realise what a good, healthy relationship is, but she's in one. Why do you think she did want to talk about it now? Because she expects that there's a pattern of behaviour here. She thinks she can't be the only person this type of thing happened to. And therefore, she thinks, if I don't speak out, who's going to speak out? I think also now that she's older, she realises that the shame in this story is not on her. She also wants to challenge the idea that it's okay for a 16-year-old to have a relationship with an adult. Because there was nothing legally to prevent that relationship. There was nothing her parents could do, for example, like going to the police. And I also think she's an exceptionally brave person because it's a really, really difficult, grueling thing to speak out. 
And I think you have to be exceptionally brave to do that. Russell Brand's lawyers have told this podcast that they were not in a position to respond to any allegations, saying we had posed a large litany of questions and had intentionally chosen to anonymise the names of women. They added that this was deliberate and part of a preconceived strategy aimed at damaging their client, something Brand echoed in his denial on YouTube to his fans. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out, Russell, they're coming for you, you're getting too close to the truth, Russell Brand did not kill himself. I know that a year ago there was a spate of articles, Russell Brand's a conspiracy theorist, Russell Brand's right wing. I'm aware of news media making phone calls, sending letters to people I know for ages and ages. It's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me, like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. I don't mind them using my books and my stand-up to talk about my promiscuous consensual conduct in the past. What I seriously refute are these very, very serious criminal allegations. In a moment, we'll hear from another woman who says Brand raped her in 2012. And we'll look at what these accusations tell us about Me Too in the world of comedy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Charlotte Wace. I am a news reporter at The Times. And for the last few months, I have been working on this investigation into Russell Brand and his behaviour towards women over the years. And Charlotte, we've already heard about a case here in the UK back in 2006. I know you've been speaking to another woman who has come forward, who has spoken to you about her account of her experiences with Russell Brand. This moves away from Britain and there's a shift in time to just tell us a bit about her. So the woman we are calling Nadia, that's not her real name. She's a businesswoman who was living and working in Los Angeles. She was in her 30s when she met Russell Brand. I was introduced to Nadia through an acquaintance of hers who uh, had heard about our investigation. Nadia says that in July 2012, Brand raped her at his house in L.A. Just take us through her story. How did she first meet Russell Brand? So Nadia met Brand at an after party following one of his shows. Um, and at this point, Brand was 37. and He was recently divorced from his first wife, Katy Perry, the American pop star. His personal life was still making the news on a weekly basis. 
he had established himself as a Hollywood film star in the previous few years, starring alongside A-list actors in films such as The Tempest, Arthur and Get Him to the Greek. And so he had an incredibly high profile at this point. He was a really big star. I'd never met Russell before ever. And he made a beeline for me and said, I want to meet you. Nadia agreed to speak to us for this investigation and her words are voiced here by an actor. We were chatting backstage. He leaned in and kissed me. It was very, very quick. What kind of a a relationship did they then have? It was just really two people in the early stages of getting to know each other. They were messaging things like, you know, how are you doing? They chatted on the phone. At one point in June 2012, they met up and they had consensual sex. He asked her about what she was comfortable doing. He asked if she wanted to use a condom, which she did. He's like, do you want to use a condom or not use a condom? And I'm like, no, absolutely, we're using a condom. And he did respect my wishes then. But she did say that he got a glazed over look while they were having sex. He does this thing where he glazes over. I don't know what's going on in his head, so it was kind of weird. And actually, kind of what she noticed then, that sort of comes to play in, in what happens later on in her account. What does happen later on? July 1st, 2012 was when my rape happened. I was out late and he happened to call me and say, I've had a really bad day, please come over. It was the early hours of the Sunday morning, gone 2am, and we've seen phone records of calls being received at around that time. And I, at first I said, no, I'm not going, it's late. And he's like, please come, just come and cuddle with me. So then I gave in and I'm like, okay. The door was unlocked. I just walked into his place. He comes running out of the bedroom naked. She was taken aback when Brand came running out of the bedroom naked. Naked? Naked. And he kissed her and she says that was consensual and that was okay. He came at me with kisses and stuff, which was kind of fun. And then it wasn't that fun when I couldn't move. I knew what he wanted from me at that point. He pushed me up against the wall. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I have a friend here and I I want you to come into the bedroom. I'm like, no, that's not happening. We're not doing that. And I tried to get away from him. My bag got actually stuck underneath a huge painting. And it's still on my arm. And at this point, he's grabbing at my my underwear, pulling it to the side. I'm telling him to get off me and he won't get off. And he has that glazed look in his eye again. I'm trying to get out of the house with him being so much taller than me, like holding me up against the wall, pushing himself in me. She says that Brand pushed her up against a wall and raped her without using a condom. She says it was only once he was finished that she was finally able to push him away. I mean, that sounds horrifying. Yes, and she was thinking as this was going on, is there someone in the bedroom? And, you know, so why aren't they coming out to help me? Because she was saying, you know, get off me. Yeah. But she still to this day doesn't know if there was even someone else in the bedroom. How did she manage to get away? He finally comes and I push him away. He blocks the door. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Get away from me. 
And he's like, well, let's calm down. I ran out and I jumped in my car. I was in a daze. I mean, it sounds like a horrible ordeal. Did he try and get in touch with her after that? It was actually, you know, only minutes after that she leaves the house and he writes in a text message to her, I'm sorry, that was crazy and selfish. I hope you can forgive me. I know that you're a lovely person with a kiss. Mm, Yeah, from the text that you can see, from the evidence that you've got, you know, something has occurred. Exactly. And Nadia was up for most of the night and she didn't reply until 10.59am, so a few hours later. And she wrote to him, you scared the shit out of me. You're right. I am a lovely person. And for you to take advantage of me is unexpected, which we think was a slight typo there. You have a problem. You need help. It's dangerous that you think you can get your own way all the time. Do you know how scary you are when that glazed look comes over you? When a girl says no, it means no. Do I have to go and get myself tested? Last time you asked me condom or no condom. When I say condom, that doesn't mean it's optional. You don't have the best reputation. I pride myself on being safe and trying to make the right decisions. Obviously, this was a bad one. I'm so disappointed. And does he respond to that? He responds to that, yes. He says... I'm very sorry, you don't need to get tested. I will make this up to you somehow with love, and he says live, but we think he means love and kindness. Not my original idea, which was more sex. You've been lovely to me and I'm embarrassed by my behaviour. Sorry, kiss. We have verified that phone number with multiple sources who were around at that time. Those messages came from his phone. So there really is a proper trail of text messages Yes, absolutely. After that happened, um, a friend came over to the house and took her to a rape treatment centre. She has actually handed over all of the notes which the centre gave her, which go obviously into a lot of detail about what was recorded at the time there. It's hugely personal, but you can obviously see the huge impact this has had on her. Yeah. And that's a contemporaneous account. That's something she went and reported the next day to a rape crisis centre. Absolutely. Brand isn't named in any of the notes, but there are a number of references that correlate with his life at that time. Mm. So, for instance, it refers to him doing the Olympics closing ceremony in London, which Brand had done. It refers to songs his ex-wife wrote for him, again, not by name, but obviously his ex-wife was a pop star writing songs. So there's details like that. That's in the account. Yes. And at the same time, you've seen the text messages from the same day, which does all come together. And she has also shared with us a version of a letter she says she sent to Brand. And this is referred to in her therapy notes. Did she explain why she wanted to speak out now? So she said that she felt like it was time and she knew that we were looking into this and she knew that we were speaking to other people. And I think that made her feel safer, that there were other women speaking out too. She does still question you, should I have spoken out sooner? And at this point in 2012, Russell Brand was a big celebrity. Mm. He was incredibly famous. And I think there was a huge amount of fear involved going forwards with something like that. When I went in for one of my first therapy sessions, I couldn't say the word rape. I had to keep saying sexually assaulted, but... By the end of it, I was like, oh my God, he raped me. During their investigation, Charlotte and Roz spoke to a number of women who were prepared to speak out about Russell Brand. 
There's a big range of allegations. For example, there's a comedian who talks about him biting her in the face and chasing her around, and despite her saying that she wants him to stop, he continued to bite her in the face. We've also spoken to people who worked alongside him and worked for him, and they alleged that he engaged in bullying behaviour. And one of them, a PA, witnessed the way he was treating images of women. So she says that women would send him pictures and then he would show them to his friends. And then we also have sexual assault allegations. So one of the other women we've spoken to said she was the victim of a serious sexual assault at Brown's house in early 2013. This woman previously had a sexual relationship with him and she described being trapped in a bedroom with Brand before he grabbed her and got her on the bed and held her down. She said that she begged him to stop until finally he got off her and she left the house in tears. He didn't rape her, but she would categorise it as sexual assault. And Roz, he's worked for some very big media organisations. Do you think his bosses and the people he worked with, do you think they were aware of the allegations or complaints and and rumours around the way he was treating women? Alice talks about this sort of cultivated public image being a smokescreen. I think he was very skillful in the start from making his identity be, I'm the womaniser, I'm a sex addict, I'm inappropriate, but it's all just a joke, it's funny as though this is sort of hiding in plain sight behaviour. It's, you know, it's a smokescreen for a lot more of his dark behaviour. People think, because I'm so well-dressed, people think he must be gay. No, no, no. (laughs) Look at his wonderful haircut, he must be gay. Look how sensitive and vulnerable he is, he must must be be gay. gay. That's right. That means women feel safe around me, Uh they trust me, then bang, pregnant, bang, pregnant, bang, pregnant. If you read his books, he gives a description of his behaviour towards women that is so utterly shocking that you think, why on earth would anyone employ him? And now, of course, people can't make decisions based on rumours, but in his memoir, for example, he admits to spitting in the face of a woman who had slapped him after they'd had sex. And, I mean, that's something he was prepared to write. And in his second memoir, he actually says this line, what kind of man was I treating women in this way? If this is what I'm telling you, can you imagine what's being left out? Those books were published. Anyone could read them. There's a lot in there that should make people at least question, if you're going to employ this person, how are you protecting those staff around him? Is that you meeting your duties as an employer in terms of duty of care? Now, of course, he could say that lots of things in his books are a joke. He is a comedian, but they're presented as a memoir. Should be enough for alarm bells to be ringing. Or at least to ask questions. I think in the media industry, there was a lot of self-reflection after Jimmy Savile about when you should be prompted to make inquiries if there are rumours. We're a decade on from that now, but how much has actually changed in terms of protecting young people and women in particular? Channel 4 have told us that they're appalled to learn of these deeply troubling allegations. They added that they've carried out extensive document searches and have found no evidence to suggest the alleged incidents were brought to the attention of Channel 4. Meanwhile, the BBC has said it will always listen to people if they come forward with any concerns 
on any issue related to any individual working at the BBC, past or present. This is 10 years on from Jimmy Savile. It's also five years on from the start of the Me Too movement. For you, having looked into this, having spoken to so many women around it, do you think anything's really changed? Well, I think Me Too has done something really useful in that it started a lot of conversations. But it's a really good question of where those conversations have actually gone in five years. One thing that really struck me on this story in particular is how scared people were to speak out, particularly to speak out with their own name attached to it. They were terrified. And that suggests not nearly enough has changed, really. I think it's also much easier to make low-level allegations against someone who isn't immensely powerful than it is to expose this sort of extreme wrongdoing by someone who is rich and powerful. And I think the comedy industry is a particularly problematic space for women to work in in relation to this kind of behaviour, partly because, particularly in the world of stand-up, people are reliant on getting jobs and they're scared that if they speak out, they're deemed a sort of troublemaker. And so they don't want to be the person putting their head above the parapet and saying it. And I think it's really, really telling that the only comedian willing to speak on the record using his own name that we approached, and we approached so many comedians, was Daniel Schloss. Now, he says he first heard rumours about Brian's behaviour on the comedy circuit more than 10 years ago. And there were plenty of comedians who said that but didn't want their name attached to that sentiment. You've spent months doing this and looking into it in great detail. You've spoken to a lot of people about Russell Brand. How has that whole experience been? It's always that thing, isn't it? As a journalist, you don't want to be the part of the story, really. <laughs> so I'm always quite hesitant to answer anything about that. I'm just going to say that I guess I've been in awe of the bravery of other women. It can be emotionally draining, but I think you always have to think that it isn't about you and I do really believe it's important to get women's voices out there. And I think the worry is always that if you don't come forward, no one else will for, for these people. So I do think we have a duty then to try to, to help them tell their stories. I've been waiting since I was 16 for it to hit the papers or for it to be on the news that he's been arrested or that somebody's reported him and it's, stopped the abuse. I just have so much respect for them, um, these women. Without them, these allegations would never have come out. Journalists, these media organisations would never have looked into them. And you think back to the period of the allegations that we're looking at, you just think how famous Brand was back then, you know, how much sort of star power he had. And this was before the Me Too movement. I mean, it must have been so incredibly difficult to even contemplate the idea of speaking out. I mean, even now, he still has, you know, hugely devoted following. You know, I just can't imagine how much courage it takes to be able to speak out about this, to speak out about these allegations. And I think above all, it really is just thanks to the incredible bravery of the women that we've spoken to that we have got to this point. Russell Brand strongly denies all the allegations in this podcast.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, who help to support investigative journalism. Thanks for listening from me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, The Sunday Times media editor, Rosamond Irwin, and Times news reporter, Charlotte Wace. If you're a subscriber to The Times, you can read their investigation into Russell Brand at thetimes.co.uk, and the Times and the Sunday Times video team have also produced an exclusive feature on the Russell Brand investigation, and we're putting links to both in our episode notes. If you have any information you want to share, you can get in touch with Roz and Charlotte and the rest of the team behind this investigation by emailing investigations at news.co.uk. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producers were Will Rowe and Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you or anyone you know has been affected by this episode, we've put some useful helplines and websites in the description notes. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.